0: So our emotions are data that inform us about the things that we really care about. So I think as we are experiencing this grief, what is it that we feel like we've lost? What are we longing for? And how does that inform us about what we really value about life?
1: You are listening to the Leadership Vision Podcast, where we share our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of a strengths-based approach to people, teams, and culture. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your entire organization, visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. Hello everyone, it's Nathan Freeberg, and we are halfway through our 21-day strengths challenge. We hope this has been helpful to you as you process how you're coping with the realities of this crazy time we're all living in. Today on the podcast, Melissa Hyatt and I reflect on just two of the questions we've all been pondering over the past few weeks.
0: Melissa Hyatt, Senior Consultant at Leadership Vision. Melissa
1: talks about who she's been encouraging and helping during this time, and I talk about some patterns of behavior I want to have changed and fixed and be much better once this is all over. As you'll hear, we take a bit of a meandering conversational path and stop at a few other topics along the way. They're both relevant and timely, and I think you're really going to enjoy them. Melissa shares some big picture concepts related to the idea of ambiguous grief and ways that we can use our emotions as data points to help us better understand what we truly value. Then I get led down a path of self-compassion and self-kindness when I realize sort of in real time here that there is a lot to unpack in the seemingly simple question that I assign to myself. So stay tuned for that in the second half of this conversation. If you're not already following us along on this 21 Day Strengths Challenge, there's a link in the show notes and accompanying blog post to describe what it is that we're doing here. In short, we're posting a question a day for 21 days that will help you process all of the wacky ways our lives are different during the COVID-19 pandemic of 2020. Sounds like I'm recording this from the future. Uh, Again, there are links where you can check that out or follow us on all the social channels and join the conversation. We're also asking that you reflect on how your strengths are influencing your answers. Okay, so let's jump into this conversation. Before answering our pre-assigned questions, I just asked Melissa to share a bit about how she's doing right now. Like many of us, it's up and it's down.
0: I had such a fun March and April and May planned. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I was supposed to lead a all-day session today with some um, social workers that Hmm. uh, do foster care. And doing um, so anyway. Instead of doing an all-day seminar with them, I did about a twenty-minute phone conversation with them.
1: Yeah, um, that's
0: a bummer. Yeah, so we're hoping to do this in the future. Um, so yeah, I I usually travel a lot, um, but I've been home since March. I think my last trip was March 9th. Um, both of my kids are at home. So Joseph is a senior in college, which he was living at home this year anyway. But Lily is a freshman in college so she's back home and really wishing she was in Chicago again.
1: Yeah. Are they <laughs> are I, they doing okay with this?
0: Yeah, I wish she was in Chicago again too. It's fun not because I don't enjoy being with her. I do. I just right. she was it's loving it experience. so much. I enjoyed yeah, hearing totally. about it. So, we were supposed hmm. to be there this weekend seeing her and taking her friends out for dinner and that kind of thing. So, we're home um, mm-hmm. I get out three days a week to go to the hospital where I work as a pediatric chaplain, which that's even different Oof. than it used to be. So, yeah,
1: I have a friend uh, who's in a hospital, and his routine is crazy like what he has to do when he, he comes home and changing clothes and everything. Are you in that same, like, uh, I don't know, danger zone. I don't know what you call it. Like, what wow. what is that like going into the a, a hospital setting?
0: Yeah. So all last week, I was coming home and stripping down in the garage and okay. then coming up and taking a full-on shower.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. And then I
0: was talking to some nurses and peds. So I work in pediatrics. And mm-hmm. I was like, are you guys doing this? And she's like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. She said, if I worked with a COVID patient, I would be doing that. But, mm. you know, we are the... Um, I think the hospital is a pretty safe place to be right now. So we're all getting tested when we come in. So I have to have my temperature taken when I come in. Everybody has to have their temperature taken. Um, We are now all wearing masks. That's changed. good. Um,
1: With with like the face shield too? Do you have that?
0: The face shield if we're going into a room that has a respiratory illness, not just COVID, but others, so that it protects our PPE. Sure. What else? So yeah, I was doing that. So I still come home and I strip down in the garage and change my clothes and my husband takes them and puts them in the wash. <laughs> Burns
1: them in a barrel out back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and okay. then I change. So, but I'm not gotcha. showering anymore from head to toe, which.
1: And scrubbing mm-hmm. and doing the like
0: mm-hmm.
1: scrubs. Your husband scrubs you down with one of those brushes like you see on those like yeah. pandemic movies or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's good. You guys are hanging in there?
0: Yeah. We're hanging good in there
1: as good as can be expected.
0: We have a few breakdowns every once in a while and the I can <laughs> I can all? feel them coming. They get a, like people in my home get a little prickly. Yeah. Um and then there'll be a yeah, crying fit and then we're good for a couple days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good.
1: <laughs> I was telling someone I I can sense them coming kind of like how if a really loud like someone blaring their stereo in their car, you can like you can kind of hear them coming, hear them coming. Yep, this is going to happen. All right, mm-hmm. they're going to drive right by our house, and then this big explosion, and then in a similar way, it just kind of gets quieter and quieter, yep. and then we're fine. And we're good. <laughs> then we're good. Then we're yep. good. Okay, so now we get to the reflection questions. I asked Melissa to reflect on this one. Who are you encouraging and helping right now? I really think of Melissa as someone who is constantly helping and encouraging anyone and everyone she comes into contact with. So I just assumed that this wasn't going so well for her. I wasn't exactly wrong or exactly right. Here's how she's doing.
0: I think maybe that's why this feels so disconcerting because who I'm running into, those are just so much more limited now. So
1: right. There's not as many people to encourage and...
0: No. Hope. So I feel off. Yeah. And I think it's my woo. Um, I'm really able to woo in connectedness. I'm really able to engage quickly with people. That's where my woo kind of has matured over the years. I think my woo used to be a little more extroverted and about me. But mm. it truly has changed to, I always say I like to win others over to themselves. Mm. Um, oh, and I like so I, I really like to connect and listen and hear and pay attention to the people around me. And that has just significantly changed.
1: Hmm. That's that's hard. Are you finding, um, you mentioned having two college-age um, people living with you, your kids. Are you trying to do more of that with them than perhaps you would have? And has that been welcome? Is that causing some of those tears you mentioned earlier? <laughs> Nathan, is that a can of worms I just yeah. opened?
0: Yeah, no. Well, my daughter will say so. Since my cert- my certification work is through Brene Brown, my daughter's right. words to me are "Don't Brene Brown me." Ah,
1: that's and so, fitting.
0: um, so you know, yeah, I try to do that, but it's it's uh, it takes a village, and so sometimes my kids are, especially my daughter, is open to hearing from me. Um, sometimes she needs to hear from others, and so the other night she was she was just really sad. And um, she's smart. And uh, anything I said, she had a quick comeback for. And so finally, I was like, let's call, let's call Grammy and Papa. And so we got, and it was just good. Like she received calming words from them in a way that she wouldn't receive from me. So
1: my kids are a lot younger. That's so true. Like I've watched my son respond to even like other dads when it's like coaching situations, I'm like, I just I told you to do that exact same thing. Why are yep. you listening? <laughs> and it's like, but that's just how how it is. So yeah. do you yeah. feel your connectedness is more off than your woo in terms of um like you can still connect with people virtually, um, but it's just so different.
0: I don't impose myself on people. Does that hmm. I don't... Does that make sense? And yeah. so I really respond. Tell me how you're feeling. Tell me now. Tell
1: me. Help me. Let me help you. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I really respond well to the people in front of me. And so I've I've been trying to pay attention to when people come to mind and then um, find ways to connect with them. So it brings me great joy when I get a text from a friend that will say, hey, can we talk? Um, I got one from a friend in, in Poland. Can can we have coffee? It's like, well, sure. How far ahead are you than me? (laughs) Like, what's our time difference? How do we schedule it? Yeah, and that just, um, I love that. Hmm. I absolutely love that.
1: When our team got together, you had talked about this idea of grief. Um and like grieving the loss and the change. And since and that was the first time I'd I'd heard that talked about in this context. Since then I've heard it all over the place. There's that Harvard Business Review article. I think that person was also on the Brene Brown podcast. There's this parenting uh blog I follow that had something similar, and it's kinda like everywhere. And I wonder how um, or what you would say, and I'm going to really put you on the spot, as someone who are encouraging and helping, and, like, that's just such part of your DNA, like, what would you say to people to help them cope with this grief that is so um, nebulous? It's so, like, weird to even think about. Like, all this, like, weirdness I'm feeling is, like, this grief emotion that's usually reserved for, like, someone dying or something much more like you can point to this one thing versus like, I'm just really sad. I can't go get ice cream with my kids when I want to like, what might you offer just as a way of encouraging and helping? And maybe I'll help you do more of this through our podcast um, and in turn, help everyone else, myself included.
0: When I did my master's uh, degree, there was a class that I took around grief and that was the first Mm -hmm. time I'd ever heard about ambiguous grief And um, so I've always been really intrigued with ambiguous grief and have um, looked for it and especially have noticed ambiguous grief when there's a diagnosis that takes somebody slowly from us. So they're still Mm. there, but we've lost them in little pieces and
1: like a, like a dementia type thing, Yeah, dementia or like a slow,
0: you know, and um, it's not the same, but like my dad's Parkinson's when he was diagnosed with Parkinson's Hmm. and it felt like my big strong dad just got smaller and smaller, like physically, you know, and it felt like I was losing him or at least who I knew him to be. And so, um, I think it's always been really helpful to identify those feelings of grief. But the other thing in doing work with chaplaincy and working with people from different cultures, the United States or this Western um, world frame, they just, it's almost like we feel entitled to life. And when I work with people from other cultures, they there's a better sense that life and death go together, together so we don't resist. They don't resist death as much, or it doesn't surprise them or offend them. They understand that it's part of life.
1: Well, they're not as afraid of it, perhaps, as much. Yeah. Not even that, maybe.
0: Not surprised by it as much. It's like we, people in the West are, like, offended and think it shouldn't happen to us.
1: Yeah. Like, whenever, um, like, someone really, really old passes away and people are just like, not that you shouldn't be sad and whatever, but it's almost like, how could this person die? It's like, well, they're 94 years old. Like we yeah. weren't going to live yeah. forever. Like I, I get you're sad, but like mm-hmm. to act shocked and surprised, like this is, this is, this is kind of the next thing to happen. And yeah. so, so there's I get, an, I get what you're saying. a
0: grief, but not an offense of grief. If, yeah. If yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So understanding grief as an emotion has been really helpful. And, you know, as a group, we talked about breaking it out and this comes from Brene's work where she talks about, um, Loss, longing, and feeling lost. And so being able to identify the loss, what is it? um, Identify the longing that you have and then where you're feeling lost. And I think as I look at what we're going through, um, what's really hard is that this this grief that we're experiencing collectively is so ambiguous because we don't have an insight. It's like, because there's not an end in place. We don't know how this, we're still in it. So there's, there's not. There's not an ability to have closure so that you can put your foot in the next direction. Um, It's still so unclear. So it's just, that's hard. But one of the cool things is my daughter. So as much as um, sometimes I feel like I can't comfort her, I think she is hearing things that I'm saying. (laughs) And uh, she, um, Susan David is one of my other favorite authors who talks about emotional agility. And she'll say, we need to learn to... We like to say that emotions are good or bad, and she'll say emotions aren't good or bad, they're data. They inform us that something's going on. So grief is data, and it informs us of something that's going on. So the other day, my my daughter just was talking about how sad she was that she wasn't with her friends. And she said, but you know what? It means that I have a really good group of friends. Yeah. And so she was able like to even that. reframe that for herself. So our emotions are data that inform us about the things that we really care about. So I think as we are experiencing this grief, what is it that we feel like we've lost? Where are we, what are we longing for? And how does that inform us about what we really value about life? We'll be right back.
1: At Leadership Vision Consulting, we have spent 23 years helping individuals explore the depth and dimension of their personal strengths and have helped hundreds of teams build positive culture. We're excited to now announce our new online membership platform that brings together the resources, community, and motivation that you need to grow your influence and build a positive team culture. Through our courses, workshops, live Q&A sessions, and more, you'll gain the skills and confidence you need to lead effectively. And with our supportive community of like-valued leaders, you'll never feel like you're doing it alone. Visit leadershipvisionconsulting.com slash community to learn more. That is brilliant. Melissa, that's really good because I think that 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 could help people put a finger on on this. So like, where are you the saddest? What are you really missing? And then um, how to your point, like informs you, like, what 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 do you most value? And then in the short term, how do you try to recreate that? So I think, and I've mentioned this so many times, it's getting old, but we're doing these Friday night happy hours with our little group of friends. Um, and that's, for me, I was like, I miss that so much. Not that we were doing that every week anyway, but just the spontaneous, hey, we're going to go to mm-hmm. pizza at this place. Who wants to join us? Like that that connection right. with other adults that are all just going through this, like we're in the same phase of life with kids and everything. And so this like little, um, you know, two hour time is like, um, really, really helpful. And I think
0: what's really cool is that now you will never take that for granted again. Right. If that makes sense. So, and I think I shared this with our team is that In 2000. So the summer of 2019, Lily graduated from high school and my son went to New York for the summer. And it hit me. I was like, if I had only known that summer of 2018 would have been the last summer that all four of us were home together. Oh, my gosh, I maybe would have enjoyed that a little bit more. And so I was able to name the loss, and I was able to name the longing and what I was longing for. So now, when we're here, we're all four together again. We have—I have this moment again. You got it
1: back. Yeah. It
0: makes me appreciate it in a different way because I was able to name it when I was missing it back then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I've had a few, kind of almost reverse moments of that. So, like you, we just got done with a big remodeling project right before this. Thank we God. Our, I know. Oh my gosh, that's a whole separate podcast. Of,
0: <laughs>
1: um, but we were doing our kitchen, and my wife and I, partially because we just we were having such a hard time eating in our basement, it was it was just absolute chaos. We went on, I think, six weekends in a row. Like we went out um, for date night. Sometimes it involved like shopping for some stuff. Um, but we'd always try to go to a good restaurant, um, or just not like fast food, but like you know, not fancy necessarily. But now looking back, I was like, oh my gosh, that was like those six or maybe in seven weeks. Like I really, I didn't know that was just all going to be taken away. And there was part of during that time feeling a little bit guilty because you know we're paying for sitters and the whatever else. I was like, wow, I really, really cherish that time even more now. And I wonder if there's certain things like that that you can look back on. Fonder, not necessarily like, oh my gosh, we can't do that again, but just like, wow, I really, really appreciate, you know, our Christmas dinner that we spent with what I thought was my crazy family. And actually, I really appreciate these people now that I'm removed from them. So
0: um,
1: so I think that's some cool perspective Mm -hmm. too. So Mm -hmm. see Melissa, you're doing it. You're encouraging and helping people (laughs) (laughs) all over the place.
0: Thank you for the opportunity.
1: So can I share one of my answers to one of the questions? Um, So again, I didn't look. I should have um, done a better job assigning these questions because I probably wouldn't have assigned the questions I got (laughs) to myself. Um, But one of the questions, and I think this is a really interesting one, and I would love to hear from listeners um, their answer. Um, The question is, what patterns of behavior do you want to change? I think this is interesting because we have perhaps a little bit more time to be introspective, to look at what we're doing, and um, to say, hmm, do I want to carry that with me after this? And I've known this about myself, but I am not a patient or present person. And I know you and I have talked about this a little bit before, but I I find myself um, needing to figure out how to... It's not just like I want to be more patient or I want to be more present, but figuring out how to not let like if I have a plan for the day with the kids and something goes wrong. It's just like I lose it and it doesn't look pretty. Talking back to that, speaking back to the uh, you can kind of see these little bubble ups coming. Um, And I think if I connect it to my strengths, I really think that my this is where my maximizer really hurts me. Um, It really helps me like with this podcast like we've got great equipment. We've got a great software like I can really fine-tune things But when it comes to like people sometimes i'm realizing at 41 years old I've known this for a while if i'm honest (laughs) Like I expect too much I expect perfection and when things don't go that way And so how do I give a little more grace be a little more patient and my goal is that when this is all over I emerge this beautiful butterfly of a human being that is perfectly patient and graceful and accommodating um, so there I've said it out loud. and we'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> so, can I ask a couple questions?
1: No, nope, we're out of time. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Just kidding. Sure, ask
0: So I'm wondering. ask away.
1: Hopefully, I'm not the um, only one that struggles with this.
0: No. Um, so the frustration that you're feeling, is it directed towards yourself? Is it directed towards your kids?
1: It's Other directed. People? So this is an interesting combo, I think, of my strengths. I think, and I think we've talked about this before too, but I think it's like also my futuristic. It's, it's kind of directed at um, if this one thing doesn't happen then it's going to, there's this cascade of events, however rational or irrational it is, that's going to lead to down the road, this really bad thing will happen. So like I'm experiencing this most intensely right now with like, it's it's being directed at my kids, but it's because of like, it's really hard to homeschool. We have my son's in first grade, two preschoolers and an almost two-year-old. And it's just really hard to give him focused time. So I'm like spiraling out of like, he's not going to be ready for second grade next year. And so if we don't do this, then I kind of get mad at the kids because they haven't cooperated or they're not getting dressed. We're not getting the outside time. And so I think ultimately it does come back to me of if I could have planned better, if I could have maybe I should have skipped working out this morning and been all ready to go when they woke up or whatever it is. So I think it's, yeah, I don't know, un, you can hear him in the background, unrealistic expectations yeah. of just like there's just too much to do. Not enough time, not enough hands. Does that make sense? Yeah. I feel like I'm.
0: Yeah, no, that spiraling. totally makes sense and helps me understand. Um, so how do you talk to yourself when that starts to happen?
1: Oh boy, now we're really counseling here. Uh, <laughs> um, no, this is good. This is good. Um, that's a good question. I think. Um, sometimes I start by blaming my wife. because um, ultimately it's easier if everything starts as her fault. Um, it's actually funny. Uh, we saw Brene Brown years and years ago. And you've maybe heard her talk about like spilling the coffee and she immediately blamed her husband, Steve, <laughs> yeah. just because. Right. Um. So I think part of it is like trying to like find other people to blame for it and then ultimately landing back on like if I had done better, if I had done a better job thinking this through or, you know, by the time the house was quiet at nine o'clock, instead of spending, you know, 20 minutes on YouTube or reading or watching an episode of Ozark, I should have been focused on this other thing. And not like giving myself even like it's okay to have some downtime before bed or something like that, and so I think it just it looks like um, I don't even if I'm answering your question, but I think it looks I'm just really hard on myself. Yeah, um,
0: that's why I asked. So the three components of self-compassion <laughs> are self-kindness. How do you talk to yourself? Um, so that was that was why I was asking. Like, how yeah. are you talking to yourself in the midst of that? And then common humanity is the second. So you're not the only one in the country or the world. <laughs> this is a world Are you
1: sure? Are you sure? I think every other parent in at least America has got right. this dialed in, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, the common humanity being able to practice that. And then the third one is mindfulness and whenever I whenever I think of mindfulness in the in this way, it's I tend to start using never and always. I never get it right. I always mess up. They're never going to be ready.
1: When I um, was just talking with Heather, she reframed something for me of, rather than I didn't get all the laundry done. It was like, wow, look how much laundry I did get done. And I think sometimes I need to reframe that too instead of, like you said, always or never of like, well, we did play outside for over an hour and that's mm-hmm. something.
0: Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is, is that, you know, if you find that you tend to blame others, I promise you, the more that you practice this in yourself and you're like you're kind to yourself um, yeah. and that's an exact, that's an exact way to do it. How Heather mentioned it is, God, I did get at least right. a load done. Um And it sometimes people don't like to practice self-kindness because they feel like if they're not hard on themselves, they're just going to be lazy and gluttonous and like, and that's, that doesn't line up with the research, but right. um, so the self-kindness, the common humanity and the mindfulness of never and always. And with children, I think, when we practice this because it, to do this with your children is because our children are such a reflection of us. So Ish. when we're kind to our children, we're being kind to ourselves, right. if that makes sense, because kind of I'm patient, hardest yeah. on my child because mm-hmm. they are a reflection of me. It's right. a reflection of my parenting. So when I can practice self-kindness, it really changes the way that I parent. But one of the things that happens with that mindfulness part is I catastrophize. So it's not only is Parker not going to be ready for second grade, but he's not going to make it into college.
1: Yeah. And he's and he's going to be living at home with us when he's 25 years old. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. But right. yeah, I had kind of along the similar lines, I had this um, horrible epiphany, whatever the word is for like, if an epiphany is really bad, that's what I had. Um <laughs> I tend to think of epiphanies as good things, but um, this crushing realization that... So Parker started playing baseball, t-ball, not t-ball, coach pitch, whatever, doesn't matter. Um, We got to two practices and then everything got shut down. And so um, he really wanted to play. He was excited about it. We had just gotten all the gear. And so I've been trying to play catch with him and it's just been a struggle, like... He's seven, he wants to do crazy throws, and it goes over my head. (laughs) And it's kind of gotten worse and worse, not better and better. And so a day or two ago, I realized he's not having fun because I'm super frustrated, and I'm not someone who's fun to play catch with. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, dagger through the heart. And so kind of to your point, like if we're kind with our kids, if we're patient with them, theoretically, they will be the same thing back. So today when we played catch, I had a much different perspective of how do I just play catch and not get all worried about he's gonna look dorky when he's out there if he's ever out there if we're back out in the field with the other kids and just like enjoy it um and so i think that's you know this is way longer than i was planning to talk about this but this like idea of what patterns of behavior do you want to change i think is a really powerful question i wish i hadn't assigned it to myself but i'm glad
0: you didn't assign it to me
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. I know. You're welcome. But I think all of us can can stop and look at that. Sure. Look at your strengths. See what, you know, perhaps is lending themselves to these patterns of behavior we perhaps don't like, but then actually say, well, what am I going to do about it? Right. And so um, I'll I'll add the things that you mentioned in the show notes so that people can maybe reflect on this more. But I think it's I think it's helpful, helpful um, to wrestle with this stuff now when we perhaps have. Um, Lenses and mirrors being held up to us, um, as we're kind of stuck stuck at home. So yeah. So thank you, awesome. Melissa.
0: Yeah, thank you, Nathan.
1: Anything else you'd like to add or leave us with?
0: No, I I think the other thing I think about with behaviors is whether they're guided by who you are or the should. You know, you should oh, do right. this or you should do that. So. I think there's something along that line too of how do you get to be the one that evaluates what changes right. need to happen rather than any forced should on you Stop well, shooting if, yourself
1: or shop, yeah stop stop shooting on yourself. Yeah. I think that what's interesting about that is that there's if you if you're really honest with yourself and look at behaviors or relationships and say like okay, is this behavior that I do whatever that thing is, is that generally? Helping in relationships, making them more positive, a more pleasant experience or not. Right. And perhaps that's something you can look at to say, this isn't just a should, a weird expectation, uh, you know, like a keeping up with the Joneses type of thing, if, if we can use that comparison. But like, no, people are usually annoyed when I do, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I do this thing. Yep. If I'm really honest with myself. So perhaps I should stop. So... We'll see. We'll see if this uh, quarantine pandemic stay at home goes on long enough to fix all our problems. Right, Melissa?
0: Oh, Lord. I hope not. (laughs) I'd rather come out flawed (laughs) and keep working on myself. I'd
1: rather come out less flawed, but come out sooner. (laughs) In thinking about it a bit more since we recorded that, I know I'll never fully arrive and be this ultra patient, hyper present person. My parenting skills aren't going to magically transform into someone I'm not just through some reflection questions, but I hope that I can use this time to reflect on the type of father, the type of husband, the type of coworker, friend, brother, and all around human being I want to be. And I want to leverage my strengths to get there. We'd love to invite you to do the same. So please join us on this 21 day strengths journey. Go to our social media right now and just find one of the questions, answer it and share your response. We'll be responding to every single one, so we'd love to hear your voice there. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Vision Podcast, where we share our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of a strengths-based approach to people, teams, and culture. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your entire organization, visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. If you found value from this episode, we'd appreciate it if you would subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and a host of others. Please share this podcast and our other resources with anyone you think would benefit from going deeper into our strengths-based approach to individual, team, and organizational development. I'm Nathan Freeberg, and on behalf of our entire team, thanks for listening.